I hope you enjoyed the first episode of this four-episode series with Yaron. In this episode, we will be tackling a very confusing but also very interesting concept, human agency. Human agency is, for me, the capacity that we have to do things, to engage with other people, ourselves, and the world. And that takes many different forms. So human agency, some people think, is just a matter of reason. So, like, you begin with certain ideas and you kind of, like, reason your way to a conclusion. I think that there are other agential capacities that we have. For example, the capacity for imagination. So when we exercise our imagination, I think we're exercising a really essential human capacity. You know, to think of ways, imagine ways where um, things could be better or to imagine, um, you know, like really creative and beautiful theories or to use our imagination when we're creating art or music. That's like a, a human a, a human agential capacity that we have, um, which I think is essential to human agency. So that's kind of how I think about human agency. It's manifested in all these different ways, but they're all ways of exercising powers that we have to engage with the worlds or with ourselves or other people. Now, would you say it's more so of what we are granted, like as human beings, like the ability to think or more so of what society grants us? Like, obviously, right. yeah. if if we're in a poor class, we cannot just go to like a mansion and ask to buy it because we don't have the capacity mm-hmm. to, to do so. So is human agency focused more so on what you're born with or what society is given to you or both? Yeah. So I think... That it's more about how, yeah, society and how it shapes the natural capacities that we have. Wow. Take that in. Society and our natural capacities shape who we are and how we think. The environment you grew up in determines who you are and what you can do. It sounds a bit like fate, doesn't it? Well, I believe thinking in that way is harmful. Fate is something you are destined to do, something that can never change. However, human agency is the utmost capacity. Nothing is predetermined like fate is. Personally, I find fate to be very restricting, but the idea of human agency to be thought-provoking. This will be explained much longer. This will be explained later when Yaran and me talk This will be explained later when Yaron and I will be talking about activists and people who want to change the world through imagination. So you're right that, um, say, if you are poor, then certain of your capacities are constrained because you don't have money, for example. You can't, you know, engage in ways that, like, a person with money could. But more fundamentally, um, if you are poor then it's also likely, given in our society now as it's structured, that you will not have had as good an education. So perhaps you won't be able to reason as well. Um, perhaps you're like, because, I don't know, I'm, I'm drawing on huge stereotypes here, but say that you're poor and you're, you're forced to work like a very menial job. Um, that menial job may also, you know, because you have to like constrict the ways in which you feel, to get just get through the day 
your capacities for emotion and feeling could also be constrained. And given in our society, you're not, you know, we're not kind of like taught or um, in a sense allowed to try and imagine a world which is wholly other than the world that we have now, our capacities for imagination are also constrained. What would be a world in which there is no racism? That's a kind of imaginative question. We're asked to imagine a world in which there's no racism and to describe that world in detail. And I mean, I don't really know what that world looks like because my capacity for imagination has been so fundamentally shaped by the racist world in which we live. And it's one of the great talents and skills that activists, social activists um, and other people have that they are able to use their imagination to create new ways of being. So, you know, like um, trans activists, for example, have developed this entire new language of um, making possible different ways of um, being with respect to gender and sexuality. And that is such an amazing achievement. And it's an imaginative achievement, um, which, you know, has society is trying to squash that. Now that is a superpower. Props to all those people who are able to break the capacity originally given to them and envision the world in a more positive way. Now let me pose a hypothetical situation. If I want to rob a bank, that is an exercise of my human agency. Even though I have grown up in a society that condemns such an action, human agency won't change, and the capacity I can exert my actions will not change as well. It's slightly perplexing, but let us continue. So agency, because it's just a capacity, can be exercised in various different ways. I could exercise my capacities, like my physical capacities, to rob a bank, or I could exercise my physical capacities to help my neighbor build a treehouse. I could exercise my intellectual capacities to come up with a way, a very ingenious plan to rob the bank. Or I could exercise my intellectual capacities, my intellectual agency to do algebra and come up with some beautiful new proof for, I don't know, some, some theorem. Mm -hmm. And do you think, so, yeah, do you think human agency and knowing what our agency is also is strictly tied to society? Because if society teaches us one thing and it like conforms us to this one way of living. Does human agency, is that itself controlled? Like if, I don't know if that totally makes sense, but um, it's kind of like if you lived in a world where society taught you to like only eat hamburgers every single day mm -hmm. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, obviously you could have just eaten like the buns or just a burger. But if society taught you that was the only way would you even know that you had the agency to just eat the bread? Exactly. Yeah, that's, I mean, the answer to that question is both yes and no. So in a real sense, human agency is constrained by the concepts, the ideas, the possibilities that society sets out for us. Um, but in another sense, we can use our agency to develop new possibilities. And insofar as society educates us, and it has to educate us, it has to give us certain capacities so that we can work, so that we can be citizens, 
so that we can raise families, all the stuff that society needs us to do. It also and it gives us the capacities to kind of like create our own capacities, our own ways of doing things. And that's a fundamental human trait that I don't think can be taken away from us. Yeah. And I think that like touches back to the activists, right? Where they're creating like this idea. Yeah. That's also very interesting. I didn't like, like, I don't know, just talking with you about all these things. It's just like opening so many different ways of looking at things and thinking about things. Okay. So I guess then um, after talking about agency in society, how would politics play in the role of our agency and how society treats this? Yeah, so there's different ways to think of politics and the political. One narrow way is to think about it just in terms of like the institutions of government. So, you know, the House of uh, like Congress and the Senate and um, the presidency and the courts and local government and the rest of it and the electoral process. That's like a narrow way of thinking about politics and the political. There's a larger way of thinking about politics and the political, which is about people getting together in public spaces to create something new, create something different. And that's a much larger sense of the political because it doesn't require that people act through formal political institutions. So let me give you an example to illustrate the difference. If we think about politics in the narrow way, then what Extinction Rebellion, for instance, are doing is not politics. What youth climate activists are doing is not politics. What trans activists are doing is not politics because what they're doing is not, at least not only narrowly focused on electing a particular representative or putting a, pushing a particular piece of legislation through parliament or through Congress, sorry. Um, but I think what they're doing is political because what they're doing is engaging with other people to try and foster, to try and create something new to try and shape people's agency in different ways, to use agency to to build something. Um, And in that larger sense, I think politics is everywhere. It's in everything that we do um, because politics is about a particular collective exercise of human agency. Would, I know this is kind of a like weird question, but would that mean that kind of everything we do is human agency? I mean, I think that everything we do is everything that we do is an exercise of human agency. Um, obviously, there are non-human uh, creatures and beings that exercise different kinds of agency, and the things that they do are not necessarily human agency. And there are things that humans do which are like not directly an exercise of our agency. Um, you know that. There are all sorts of like unintended consequences that follow from our actions. We might do something or a group of us do something and then like 10 years down the track, you know, butterfly effects sort of stuff, something else happens. And that would be in a sense, a result of agency without being an exercise of it. I see. And, you know, like, I guess like having, like exercising your human agency in a moral way. Mm. So how how would that really play or like i'm not very sure about that concept of using morality in the sense of knowing what to do with your human agency yeah so um as we discussed earlier 
human agency can be exercised in immoral ways, in bad ways. Um, and so one question for morality is like a branch of philosophy is to try and set out the principles according to which human agency can be exercised morally. Um, there's an interesting question about whether like imagination can be exercised morally or immorally or whether certain of our feelings are moral or immoral. And those are interesting philosophical questions that, uh, you know, different philosophers have used on where morality intersects with other human capacities other than like acting and doing things um, like physically. Okay, is this tough to understand? Well, I hope not so much because I'm introducing another head-itching idea about human agency. In life, society forms or influences our human agency. It determines the capacity to which we can exert our actions. But at the same time, our actions, our thoughts, shape society. This loop is actually something that happens every single day, in every single generation. It's really perplexing. You have to ask yourself, where does it start? And more importantly, how does it start? I thought about it as the chicken and egg riddle. What came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, society's influence on our human agency or our influence from human agency on society? Yeah, I mean, um, you're right that it's very difficult to understand how that loop w works and whether there's like a purpose in that loop, what it's about, as you put it. But the fact that there is a loop, I think that's correct. There is a loop between society and individual human agency. And that's in effect what activists are trying to do and what philosophers are trying to do in a sense, right? They're trying to use their agency to shape how society functions to make society better, which will then give people new possibilities for agency which they can then use to make society better. And, you know, then the cycle continues. Um, that there's a loop isn't so much like, I mean, it's it might be weird, but there are loops like that everywhere. So think about the human body. You take in food, you extract nutrients from it. Those nutrients become part of you. You use those nutrients to do the human things that you do, which include eating food. And so the loop continues. Your body is a kind of system that has these closed causal loops. Um, think about an ecosystem. An ecosystem comprises a bunch of different species and different kinds of like, you know, uh, plants and animals. And they together maintain a kind of stable ecosystem. The trees shade the smaller plants, the animals eat the small plants, the animals like poop stuff out, which then helps the plants grow, the insects break down, all that, you know. And so there's these relationships, these very complex relationships between the different parts of the ecosystem that keep the ecosystem functioning. And is there a way that human agency can be used? I wouldn't say like in the wrong way because you can't really like say something is done um, like negatively, but I know activists are trying to improve, you know, in some sense, their idea of what society should be like. Right. Yeah. Is there a sense of people who aren't really doing that? 
or not so yeah, just people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, okay, here's a, a very obvious example. Human agency can be used in racist ways where the like white supremacist, you know, we don't have to use like very, very serious examples, but where the white supremacist goes and like writes long tracks about how whites are superior to other races. And then on the basis of that goes out and like, you know, insults people or commits violence against people of other races. That is an exercise of human agency, which is deeply wrong and which contributes to a, a racist society. And then the racist society fosters again more individual racists and the cycle continues. Okay, now let me pose another question that has been bothering me for a long time. So, first, society shapes human agency. And from person to person, each one has a different agency that influences their actions and thoughts. So, if we had a white supremacist who grew up in an all-white town, where the only idea taught was racism equals benefits, who are we to judge him? His agency is determined by what he learns, which is racism. We ourselves think the opposite because we learned something else. So, is he in the wrong? He never even knew racism was bad because it was never a part of his agency. But then again, are we in the wrong? But then again, are we in the wrong because we are telling him his ideas are wrong? But then again, are we in the wrong? because we are telling him that his ideas are false. But then again, are we in the wrong? Because we are telling him his ideas are false. I mean, that happens all the time, right? It happens in mathematics. It happens in, in the sciences. People disagree. Um, and to go back to the very start of our conversation, part of what philosophy is, is doing, is thinking with other people. And it's a certain set of skills and a certain set of virtues that we have to develop in order to be able to talk properly and to engage properly with other people. And part of engaging with them might involve challenging their core beliefs. It might involve preventing them from um, harming other people because that's what we think is true or what we think is right. So I guess just because people disagree about what is right and wrong doesn't mean that there is no right and wrong. It just means people disagree about what is right and wrong. I see. Um, and then I would just like to clarify, um, in a sense, if someone, I know I'm going back to my like other example, but if someone were to grow up in an area where they thought saying one word meant one thing or like they thought like doing action was always good mm -hmm. does this make them moral in, in that sense? Oh I see I mean like again here's the difference between looking for a reason as like a cause and looking for a reason as a justification say someone grows up in a white supremacist culture in a white supremacist family and they learn white supremacy as there's like the, the right thing to do. That doesn't justify them because white supremacy is wrong. But we can also understand how they might have come to those beliefs. And maybe that understanding will help us 
talk to them in certain ways, help us give an insight into the ways in which they think such that we might be able to change their minds. So, um, yeah, again, that, that distinction between, um, like something justifying what is right and wrong, being a justifying reason and something helping us understand in a causal sense, why something is the case, why something is the way that it is. That's a really important distinction. Okay. Yeah, I see. Um, and then like focusing more so on like that there is a conflict rather so of one person is right or wrong. The other person is not right or wrong. I mean, you might want to focus on different things at different times. Um, so if you're, you know, it might not be super helpful to just go to the white supremacist. You're wrong, even though they are. It might be much more helpful to understand the kind of causal, like the social forces that led them to believe the kinds of things that they do. Um, and it might be more helpful to try and change those background social structures that, you know, like, White supremacy is, for example, taught in the education system. And there are many people now who are trying to push for, like, to entrench that kind of white supremacy in the education system. And so it's no help in that situation to, like, go to individual students who are being taught white supremacy and and yell at them. It's much more useful and, and much more helpful to try and change the education system itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That that way of looking at it makes more sense. I think it also depends on the scenario that you said, and I think like with philosophy, to me sometimes it is difficult to say one thing and then realize that in another situation it doesn't totally apply. Yeah, and this is going back to that philosophy as an activity, um, like training and educating the ways of thinking that we have, not just like the end results of the thinking not just the ideas that we get, but how we get to those ideas. And part of what we've been doing here is, um, you know, working through some really complicated and really difficult issues and trying to clarify, like, how the different parts of that issue will fit together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I... I want I want to ask a couple more questions, but I, I don't want to take too much of your time. So I will try to shorten this up a bit and finish off with a couple of questions. And do you mind if I do have some questions, if I could just email them to you? Would that oh, be possible? Well, that, that, would be, that would be fine. Yeah. 